Welcome to Zichud Avsi Mani Mem Rabbi Avram Goldar, and today we're in Zerchesh Kalim, Dav Chaf Av, the eighth parak Kalarokim. So the three topics are going to focus on number one. The Mishnah Dav Chaf Amon Av stated that the sixth of the seven tonight basin was Al Parshuli Maolin Ba'afara regarding the Parduma that it should not be Meila when using its ashes. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman said in the name of Yochanan that it would seem from the Mishnah that Midaraisa, the ashes should be subject to Meila, but the Rabbanim regards that they should not be. Now, this contradicts a brisa that states that the rice of the par itself is subject to me'ila, but not its ashes. So Rabbi Abo answered that at first, since the ashes were not subject to me'ila, people would debase it and put it on their wounds for medicinal purposes. The Rabban therefore decreed that the ashes should be subject to me'ila the Rabbanan. Once the decree accomplished its purpose and people became restrained in using them, the Rabbanan regoza that the ashes should not be subject to me'ila, following the derisa din. Point number two, the opening mission of the eighth parak states, that according to Rabbi Meir, in all spittle that is found in Yushalayim is presumed tahor, except for what's found in the upper marketplace. Now, regarding the upper marketplace, Rabbi Yavin said in the name of Yeshua ben Levi, there was a laundry operated by Nachim there. Since Nachim are deemed to have the tuma of Zavim, which means that their spittle is Tameh, and the upper marketplace is frequented by many Nachim, any spittle found there was considered Tameh. Rabbi Hanina said, they used to spear wild donkeys there. Since the butchers were Nachrim, their spittle was considered Tameh. Rabbi Shubin Levi said that as they were spearing wild donkeys to feed the lions in the king's military, the Oli Ragalim were passing through on the way to Yushalayim, and they waded knee-deep in the blood. The Rabban didn't tell them to refrain from appearing in the base of Migdash. So we see from here that Dam Nevela does not convey Tuma. And the Gemara begins a lengthy discussion regarding the status of Dam Nevela. And point number three, the Gemara addresses the different descriptions for the handiwork of the parochas. One Pasuk states it's Masa Rokim, the work of an embroiderer, and another Pasuk states it's Masa Choshev, the work of a designer. The difference is, is that the work of the embroiderer only has one face, whereas the work of a designer has two faces. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemi disagree about what the one face and two faces means. One says that Maisa Rokim, which had one face, means that the fabric had a line embroidered on one side and was blank on the other, whereas Maisa Choshev, which had two faces, had a line woven on each side. The other one said that Maisa Rokim, that had one face, had a line embroidered on each side. The Tikkun Chadon explains that one face means the identical face. Maisa Choshev had a line embroidered on one side, and an eagle woven on the other side, and that's why it was described as having two faces. So once again, the three points are number one, the Mishan Daf Chaf Amadalov stated that the sixth of the seventh tonight basin was Aha partially Yemolim Ba'afara, regarding the Paraduma, that there should not be Me'ila when using its ashes. Rabbi Shemob Bar Nachman said in the name of Yochanan, that it would seem from the Mishnah that Midaraisa, the ashes should be subject to Me'ila, but the Rabbanu goes that they should not be. And this contradicts a Brisa that states that Midaraisa, the par itself, is subject to Me'ila, but not its ashes. Rabbi Abo answered that at first, since the ashes were not subject to Me'ila, people would debase it and put it on their wounds for medicinal purposes. The Rabban therefore decreed that the ashes should be subject to Me'ila the Rabbanan. Once the decree accomplished its purpose and people became restrained in using them, the Rabbanan regoza that the ashes should not be subject to Me'ila following the Deraisa Din. Point number two, the opening mission of the eight parak states that according to Rabbi Mer, call Rokin and Nisan by Yushalayim Tahor in all spittle that is found in Yushalayim is presumed Tahor, Chutz Mishal Shuka Elyon, except for what's found in the upper marketplace. Regarding the upper marketplace, Rabbi Avin said, and then Rabbi Shubin Levi, There was a laundry operated by Nachim there. Now, since Nachim are deemed to have the tomb of Zavim, which means that the spittle is Tameh, and the upper marketplace is frequented by many Nachim, any spittle found there was considered Tameh. Rabbi Hanina said, They used to spear wild donkeys there. 
And since the butchers were nachrim, their spittle was considered tame. Rabbi Shubin Levi said that as they were spearing wild donkeys to feed the lions in the king's military, the Oli Ragon were passing through on their way to Yushalayim, and they waded knee-deep in the blood. The Rabban did not tell them to refrain from appearing in the base of Migdash. So we see from here that Dam Nevelah does not convey Tuma. And the Gemara begins a lengthy discussion regarding the status of Dam Nevela. And point number three, the Gemara addresses the different descriptions for the handiwork of the parochas. One Puzzik states, it is my Sorokim, the work of an embroiderer. And another Puzzik states, it's my Sechoshev, the work of a designer. The difference is, is that the work of the embroiderer only has one face, whereas the work of a designer has two faces. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Nechemi disagree about what this means, the one face and the two face. One says, the Maizarokim means that the fabric had a line embroidered on one side and was blank on the other side, and therefore only had one face, whereas Maizarokim had a line woven on each side and therefore it had two faces. The other one said, the Maizarokim had a line embroidered on each side, and Tzikun Chadin explains that one face means the identical face. Maizarokim had a line embroidered on one side and an eagle woven on the other side, and that's why it was described as having two faces. All right, so now we go to our sim for Daf Chaf Aleph, and our standard sim is a car. And the reason why Chaf Aleph is a car because people from Boston, Bostonians, pronounce it a ka, a ka. So Chaf Aleph is a ka, otherwise known as a car. Here goes the ka with the announcement sign that the Rabban instituted no more ma'ila on Parduma ashes, and that waded through the spittle-ridden and blood-filled upper marketplace where wild donkeys were speared, was full of horrified women on their way to embroider and design the parochas. Once again in slow motion. The ka, ka, that must be more on Duff, Chaf Aleph. The ka with the announcement sign that the Rabbana instituted no more ma'ila on Paraduma ashes, which reminds the Mishnah Duff Chaf Amaral stated that the sixth of the Semtani Basin was regarding the Paraduma that there should not be ma'ila when using its ashes. Now Rabbi Shmuel Nachman said in the Rabbi Yochanan that it would seem from the Mishnah that the rice of the ashes should be subject to ma'ila but there are abundant goes that they should not be. This context of Bryce that states that the rice of the par itself is subject to meal, but not its ashes. So Rabbi Elbaal answered that at first, since the ashes were not subject to meila, people would debase it and put it on their wounds for medicinal purposes. The Rabbanan therefore decreed that the ashes should be subject to meila the Rabbanan. Once the decree accomplished its purpose and people became restrained in using them, the Rabbanan goes there that the ashes should not be subject to meila following the derisa din. So the Ka, with the announcement sign that the Rabban instituted no more Me'ila on Paraduma ashes, and that waded through the spittle-ridden, blood-filled upper marketplace where wild donkeys were speared, which reminds us that the opening mission of the eighth parak states that according to Rabbi Meir, all spittle that's found in Yishalayim is presumed Tahor, except for that what's found in the upper marketplace. Now regarding the upper marketplace, Rabbi Avin said in the Rabbi Shubin Levi that there was a laundry operated by Nachim there, and since Nachim are deemed to have the tomb of Zavim, which means their spittle is Tameh, and the upper marketplace is frequent by many Nachim, any spittle found there was considered Tami. Rabbi Hanina said they used to spear wild donkeys there. Since the butchers were Nachim, their spittle was considered Tami. Rabbi Shubin Levi said that just as they were spearing wild donkeys to feed the lions in the king's military, the only Ragon were passing through on their way to Yushalayim, and they waded knee-deep in the blood. Their bun didn't tell them to refrain from appearing in the base of Migdash. So we see from here that Dam Nevela does not convey Tuma. The Gemara begins a lengthy discussion regarding the status of Dam Nevela. So the Ka, with the announcement sign that the Rabbanit instituted no more Me'ila on Parduma ashes, and that waded through the spittle-ridden and blood-filled upper marketplace where wild donkeys were speared, was full of horrified women on their way to embroider and design 
the parochas, which reminds us. The Gemara addresses the different descriptions for the handiwork of the parochas. One Pasuk states, it's my Rokem, a work of an embroiderer. And another Pasuk states, it was my Sechoshev, the work of a designer. And the difference is, is that the work of the embroiderer has only one face, whereas the work of a designer has two faces. Rabbi and Rabbi Nechemi disagree about what this means, one face and two face. One says, my Rokem means the fabric had a line embroidered on one side and was blank on the other. Therefore, it was only one face, whereas Maisa Choshev had a line woven on each side, and therefore it was two faces. The other one said Maisa Rokim had a line embroidered on each side. The Tikkun explains that one face here means the identical face. Maisa Choshev had a line embroidered on one side and an eagle woven on the other side, and that's why it was described as having two faces. So once again, the cow with the announcement sign that the Rabbana instituted no more me'ila on Parduma ashes, and that waded through the spittle-ridden and blood-filled upper marketplace where wild donkeys were speared, was full of horrified women on their way to embroider and design the parochas. All right, now it's time for a four-blot-back chazara. Daf Yudzain. So the symbol of Daf Yudzain is a used car. So here goes. The used car salesman, used car salesman, that must mean we're on Daf Yudzain. The used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum, which reminds us that the next mission identified one of the 13 temple gates where people would prostrate themselves as the Shar HaMayim, the water gate. The Tanakhama says it was called the Shar HaMayim because through it they would bring the flask of Nisa HaMayim during Sukkot. Rebbe Yazabin Yaakov says that Boha Mefachim, through it the waters trickle, Vasinu Yos Yotzim Mitachas Mifsan Habayis, and are destined to issue forth from beneath the threshold of the house, referring to the Kosh Kadashim. The Gemara brings a description from Savior Cheska where the Navi shown a vision of the stream, getting deeper and deeper until it becomes a raging river that the Navi cannot cross and not even a large ship could cross. The Malvin suggests the water symbolizes the flow of Torah knowledge and faith that is destined to flow from the base of Migdash in the future. So the used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum threw their keys away in despair, which reminds us, when Yehoyachim Malk Yehuda heard that Nebuchadnezzar had summoned him, he took the keys of the base of Migdash and went up to the roof of the Heichel and said to Gosh Baruch Hu, In the past we were faithful to you and your keys were given over to us. Now they were not faithful, your keys are hereby returned to you. According to one Amora, Zarkin Ba'od Yardu, he threw them up to Shemaim and they have not come down. Whereas according to another Amora, the likeness of a hand emerged from Shemaim, which took the keys from his hand. When all the noblemen of Yehuda saw this, they went up to the rooftops, jumped off, and died. So the used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum, threw their keys away in despair, and they landed on top of marble and gold tables full of warm bread. Which reminds us, the next mission teaches that among the 13 shulchanos in the base of Midrash, there was a marble shulchan, where they placed the lechem upon when it was brought in, and a gold shulchan for the breads who were taken out, shemalim b'kodesh v'lomoridin, for we ascend in matters kedusha and we do not descend. There was also the golden shulchan in the heichel upon which the lechem upon him would lay continually. The more brings a brace that the first shulchan was made of silver, not marble, but it was said in the name of Rabbi Yochan that our Mishnah holds that it was not a shulchan of silver, because silver heats up that which is placed on it and causes the bread to spoil, even though one of the ten nisim in the base of Middash was that the bread never spoiled. Rabbi Shubhan Levi says, nisim. No proof may be cited for miracles, meaning that we may not rely upon a nase. Daf Yudches, so the similar Daf Yudches is a chuppah. So here goes. The ten menorahs lined up in front of the chuppah. Chuppah, that must be more on Daf Yudches. The ten menorahs lined up in front of the chuppah, which reminds us, it was taught in Bryce, the Essen menorahs, Asa Shlomo, Shlomo Melch made ten menorahs for the base of Migdash, five to the right of Moshe's menorah, and five to its left, and some alchokas based on psukim, whether they were all lit or only Moshe Benus was lit. So the ten menorahs lined up in front of the chuppah, each had a block of wood the size of a truncated alma on top. 
which reminds the next Mishnah states, Shoshasar Shofar's Haiba Mikdash, there were 13 collection chests in the base of Mikdash, and one of them was titled Eitzim for the donations of wood to be brought on the Mizbech. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak said that since the site of the pyre on the Mizbech built by Moshe was only an Amma by an Amma, therefore the blocks of wood were only the length of a truncated Amma. The Karbana 8 explains that if the blocks were a full Amma, they would protrude slightly into the adjacent area on top of the Mizbech, which was designated as the Gladim's walkway. So the ten menorahs lined up in front of the Chopah, each had a block of wood the size of a truncated Amma on top. And we're burning donated Lavona, the size of a comet, which reminds us. The Mishnah said that if someone said, Hare Alai Lavona, if it's hereby incumbent on me to bring Lavona, he may not bring less than a comet. The Gemara brings a source for this ruling, Nemar Khan Askara, and stated here about the Lavona that is offered on the Mizbech as part of the Lechem Apanim service, memorial portion, and Nemar Lahalan Askara. And it stated there regarding the Mincha that's offered on the Mizbech, memorial portion. So just as the Askara with regard to the flower of a Mincha is a full comet, so to the Askara mentioned here with regard to the Levona offered with the Lechem Apanim should be a full Kometz. And from here we derive that the standard amount of Levona offered with a Mincha is a Kometz and if Levona is offered by itself as an independent offering without the person specifying an amount, he must bring at least a Kometz. Dafyotes. So the symbol for Dafyotes is a yacht. A yacht. So here goes. The coin collectors on the yacht tour. Yacht. That must mean we're on Dafyotes. The coin collectors on the yacht tour were having a blast trying to figure out which chest a drop coin belonged to, which reminds us that the next mission states, If coins are found between the chest mark Shkalim and the chest mark Nadava, which is for voluntary communal offerings, if they're close to the Shkalim, they should be deposited into Shkalim. If they're close to Nadava, they should be deposited into Nadava. Maxilla, maxilla, yipu Nadava. If they're equidistant between the two, they should fall into the Nadava chest. After stating more cases, the mission concludes, the We fall the closer one. Even to be lenient, mechsel mechsel lahachmer. When they are equidistant, we are required to be more machmer. The Gemara explains that there are some who say that the reason that the David takes precedence over Shkalim is that if the coins were deposited into Shkalim, they may not end up being used and will become part of the Shi'ar Lishka and will be used for non-sacrificial purposes, such as repairing the walls of Yishalim. Others say the reason is that a coin found equidistant between Shkalim and David is like the case of one who died after separating a shekel, where the lucky is, is that the shekel is deposited in the Dadava chest. So the coin collectors on the Yatu were having a blast trying to figure out which chest a drop coin belonged to. And listening to the lecture on Meister Shani's status of lost coins in Yushalayim, which reminds the next Mishnah states, Maushin Nimsuifne Sokri Behemelol Meister coins that are found in front of the premises of animal dealers in Yushalayim are always assumed to be Meister Shani. The Tikkun Chan explains that after they were gone, people would not take their surplus Meister Shani's home, but would leave them with relatives in Yushalayim to spend. Therefore, it was presumed that the majority of monies found at any time in the year in front of the Sokri Behemel were Meister Shani. The mission continues that coins found in Harabais are always assumed to be Chulun. The Tikkun Chan explains that even during the Ragan, we assume they are Chulun since we go after the majority of the year, and the monies found during the regal may have been lost before the regal. The mission continues and says that monies found elsewhere in Yishalayim are assumed to be Maishashani during the regalim and Chulun the rest of the year. So the coin collectors on the yacht tour are having a blast trying to figure out which chest a drop coin belonged to, and listening to the lecture on Maishashani's status of lost coins in Yishalayim, until the waiter told them he couldn't recall if the fleshic dinner he served them came from the kosher store or the nine trafe ones. Which reminds us that in the midst of a discussion regarding Sveikas, the Gemara brings a price to the teachers. If there are nine stores in town that sell nevela meat, and one store is selling shechta meat, if one bought meat from one of the stores but doesn't know which, he must be concerned for the possibility that he bought nevela. The Karban 8 explains that concerned means that the matter is not definite. He cannot eat the meat in question because it's possibly nevela, but he would not be chai malka since it's not definite. 
This is based on the rule of kol kavul kamechsa mechsadami. Whatever is fixed in its place is treated as 50-50, so that the minority is treated as making up half of the total amount. The word continues, Lenim says, but where the meat was found in the street, and it cannot be determined from which store it came, we follow the majority. The Karban Ha'ed explains that since the majority of stores sell Nevela, the found meat is assumed to be Nevela, and one who eats it is Chayav Malkus. Dav Chaf, so the symbol Dav Chaf is a cafe, a cafe, so here goes. The cafe, cafe, that must be more on Dav Chaf. The cafe came under attack from vultures scooping down and taking patrons' meat and dropping meat in its dead, which reminds the more relates when Rub went down to Bavo, Chamsu, Mekun, Vachamralan, and he saw them acting leniently, so he ruled stringently for them. And one of the incidents brought a servant who was walking in the street carrying meat when a vulture came and snatched it from him and then cast it down in another place. The person went back to that other place to retrieve his meat and wanted to take it. Rub said to him, It's forbidden for you to eat that piece. For I say that perhaps the vulture had been carrying the meat of a nevel and cast it down. And it took that piece that was yours with it. Rub's ruling is based on the prohibition of meat that was hidden from the eye on account of the concern that perhaps the meat was exchanged with a similar piece of non-kosher meat. So the cafe came under attack from vultures scooping down and taking patrons' meat and dropping meat in its stead and attracted the attention of lost male and female sheep near Yushalayim. Which reminds me, the next Mishnah states that a behemoth found between Yushalayim and Migdal Eder, which is an area near Beis Lechem, or at that distance from Yushalayim in any direction, Zacharim Olos, males are to be treated as Olos, Nekevos, Zivchei Shlamim. Females are to be treated as Shlamim offerings. Rabbi Yudah says, Arui Pesachim Pesachim Kodma Regul Shoshim Yon, that which is fit for a Pesach, is to be used for a Pesach if it's found 30 days or less before the regal. The carbon it explains that if the animal was a male sheep or goat within its first year, it's assumed to have been consecrated as a Pesach since the public study of Hilkas Pesach begins 30 days before the Chag. The Tanakamo, however, holds that people are especially careful with their Pesach offerings, so there's no concern that this lost animal might be one. So the cafe came under attack from vultures scooping down and taking patrons' meat and dropping meat in its stead and attracted the attention of lost male and female sheep near Yushalayim when it made its delicious dough bread that was baked, fried, and baked again in honor of its opening day. Which reminds the Gemur discussed the Minchas Chavitin, a special Mincha that's brought by Cohen the first time he performs the Avoda and brought daily by the Kohen Gadol. The Pusik states regarding its preparation on a griddle with oil it shall be made, Scalded shall you bring it to fine baked minchas pitim takri vreich nikoach Hashem. A mincha often broken to pieces, you shall offer it as a satisfying aroma to Hashem. The Gemara brings some alchogs about when the dough is baked. The Tanakhama says, Tufine tafenana. The word Tufine means they shall be baked after they are partially cooked. The partial cooking is the frying of the dough. Rebbe says, Tafenanaya. They shall be baked while still attractive. The Tilkin Chatzin explains it should be baked before frying, since frying blackens them and makes them less attractive. Rebbe Dosa says, Tafenariba. They shall be baked a lot. The Tilkin Chatzin explains that Rebbe Dosa holds the requirements of both Tanaim and they are baked twice, once before frying, while the dough is still attractive, and then baked again after being fried when partially cooked. All right, now it's time to conclude our pop quiz, and this quiz will feature 15 questions. Here we go, number one. Which of the one that the Torah given to Moshe Rabbeinu was white fire written on black fire? That's on Duff. Tezain. Good. Number two. Which Duff did Moshe regarding the baking process for the Minchus Chavitin? That's on Duff. Good number three. Which of the Rabbanu goes said that there is no meat on the ashes of the Paraduma when they saw people were not using them anymore for medicinal purposes? That's on Duff. Chafav. Good number four. Which of the discussed the status of animals found wandering between Yushalayim and Migdal Eder? That's on Duff. Chav. Good number five. Which of the Rabbanu whether the ten menorahs that Shlomo Melch made that were next to Moshe Benus were lit or not? That's on Duff.
Yudches. Good number six. Which daf did Malchok is regarding how many dibros were written on each of the luchos? That's on daf. Tezain. Good number seven. Which daf do we discuss the difference between Maisa Rokim and Maisa Choshev in the weaving of the parochas? That's on daf. Chafav. Good number eight. Which daf do we that besides the Shulchan and the Heichol, there are two more Shulchanas, one of marble when the Lechem of Honey was brought in and one of gold when the Lechem of Honey was taken out? That's on daf. Yedzayin. Good number nine. Wished up to learn that monies found in front of Sochri Behema are presumed to be Maeser Shani funds, whereas in Harabais they're presumed to be Chuan. That's on Duff. Yotes. Good number ten. Wished up to learn about the story of Nachum Ishgamzu. That's on Duff. Tezvav. Good number eleven. Wished up to learn that Yehoyachim threw the keys of the base of Migdash up to Shemaim since Benetz were no longer faithful to Kosh Baruch Hu. That's on Duff. Yudzayin. Good number 12. Which of the one that all spittle, all rook found in Yushalayim had the din of Tahor except that which was found in the Shukha Elyon? That's on Duff. Chafal. Good number 13. Which of the one that when it comes to coins found between chess, the call is you go up to the closest one, Ohakil, Mechsal, Mechsal, Lahachmir. That's on Duff. Yudzayin. Good number 14. Which of the one that when someone donates an unspecified amount of Ravona, the minimum shear as it comments, that's on Duff. Yudchas. Good. And number 15, which of the one that if one is not sure if the meat he bought was from the kosher store or from the nine nevela shops, the rule is kol kavul kamechsel mechsedami. That's on Duff. Yudchas. Excellent. Right. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Goldham Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.